Yeah, it's cool to see, you know, the ethnic, especially, I think this school is, like, one of the most ethnic. Yeah, like, my friend here, uh, he's uh, Vietnamese. And then, but yeah, like, you know, I guess it's one of the most ethnically mixed schools. And then we're just rambling on about statistics and whatnot. It's all right. right. You've never met an Asian stoner, have you? (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me that's going to (laughs) be... Oh, that's, that's going in, man. Right? <laughs> that is going in. That'll probably be at the, like, the beginning or the end. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to include that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day. It's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, All right. So, so All right on that note, <laughs> I guess we'll get back to the questions. This is EMG Radio, episode number 19. I'm Randy, and today I'm sitting with, so to speak, I'm sitting with Daniel Molinato. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, and you? Not too bad. Not too bad. For once, we have early morning episode. Yeah, uh, this is the only time I'm available for now, because home internet's down, so it's like, right when I have an interview, it would go down, because it's going to be down till Tuesday, I think, so now I'm here. What part of the world are you from, Daniel? I am from the area of Los Angeles, California, a little city called Paramount. And it's, I guess, um, the city itself is is somewhat famous. It's actually where the Zamboni was invented, but the cities around it are home to some pretty famous uh, musicians. Like, right next to us is Compton. And, of course, you know, that's where all the gangster rap is from. Yeah, straight out of Compton. I actually live, like, a mile away from there, but just north of Paramount is Downey. That's where Metallica's from. Nice. And then... Like, on the kind of the corner is Southgate, and that's where, uh, you know, I'm sure you heard the news, but that's where Slayer's from. And, you know, speaking of Slayer, unfortunately, yesterday, you know, we lost a musical giant yesterday, Jeff Hanneman. The guitarist for Slayer. Yeah. And you're recording in a, in a, a, a library right now, right? Yep. Just kind of a setup for the listeners. That's the dedication, man. He He couldn't do it at home, so he went out in the public. Well, it's Friday, and most people don't have classes, so there's only, like, maybe four or five other people here in the whole family. And my friends right here as well. Do you recall the first genre or band you considered yourself a fan of, and about how old were you? That I, like, really considered myself a fan of, I'd say rock music, since I was probably, like, in first or second grade. And But the first band that I was really a fan of was Audio Slave when I was in fourth grade, but... Ever since I can remember, really, I've been around music. You know, all my, you know, I'm one of six, and they were all in band. So they've all had some kind of musical experience. But I guess I'm the one who's gone the furthest with it. So about what age did you realize you were interested in actually creating music? I started writing music. I started with, uh, it was a program that I got called PowerTab. It was around, I was around 12 years old at the time. That was like 2006, I think. Nice. But back then, my music was all primitive and weird-sounding. 
<laughs> sure, sure, man. Uh, the beginning, the beginning stages always are. Was there a specific thing that made you interested in uh in music in trying your hand at music? That is, it was. Um, I would always be on this website called Ultimate Guitar, and I saw you know, like I was learning how to play guitar, and then I saw you know, there's a program that shows you how that uh, it allows you to actually tab music out, and I thought, hmm, if I could tab other people's music, I could tab my own music, and that's how it all began. So, and you said you were about uh twelve, yeah. So, uh, what was the first band or project that you were involved in? Uh, I guess the first legitimate band that I was in was one called Astral Pit, which uh, it didn't really uh, go away. It actually became the band that I'm in now, uh, Antigantamentum. Oh, by the way, Antigantamentum, um, since that's you know a lot for people to pronounce, it's cool to just say anti or something. Oh, yeah? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so like if it's ever on EMG, you can just say the new anti song, so you don't have to, you know... Struggle. That one's not too bad. It's the other one that I always have trouble with. Oh, the one that you had to cut me <laughs> saying it into? Yeah, did you like that, man? <laughs> I was eating hot Cheetos when I was listening to that. You nearly made me choke, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was kind of funny. I was going to say, have you been involved in many project, but, projects, but I know for a fact you have been. Um, take us through a brief history of all the projects you've been in. All right, well... The first one that I tried to start was one with my cousin, because he's a drummer. And I guess we called it Reaping Death. It was kind of a, it was kind of influenced from Metallica, Creeping Death. Did you but say that, Raping re- Death? <laughs> no. Oh, Creeping Death. <laughs> Reaping. Reaping, okay. I was like, whoa, man, that's fucking hardcore. Reaping Death, you know? Reaping, it's like some, you get like some really strong ass weed and you call it like some sort of some death in your know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it should be called Reefing Death. Reefing Death. That's, that's a little more, that's like a chilled out metal band. It's like some Stoner Doom right there. Yeah, yeah, Stoner Doom. It's, it's funny, I don't, I don't smoke, but I actually listen to Stoner Doom, so it's like... Sure, yeah. man, sure. But, um, yeah, so that was back like 06, and then I was pretty much, try- I guess I was learning also how to record, but the only program I actually had was Audacity. You know, so I just used Audacity, and then I didn't have a microphone. I actually used the headphone, because I know the left headphone actually works as a microphone. Oh, really? So, yeah. And then around 08, I made a... I decided to call it in e which means Into the Abyss in Norwegian. And I actually made, like... Like, I tried to record songs, but I didn't really have a structure to them. They were more just, um... They were like a stream of consciousness kind of thing. But I actually made some pretty good riffs that I've used throughout. Uh, some of my newer songs. What I used to record, uh, it wasn't until 08 or so that I actually got an electric guitar. So I actually, yeah, I used, I actually recorded with an acoustic guitar before. Like, I tried to do metal riffs with that. And then, um, 08, what I did was, I got this little tiny amp, and I hooked it up from the headphone jack into the microphone jack, and just recorded that. So it sounded all nasty, so like, <laughs> like it, like, pretty much there was no dynamics at all. 09 was the same, and the 09 was when I made Astro Pit, and then 2010, uh, I actually got a couple members to join that band, and, you know, they're still with me, you know, they're some of my best friends, and then 2011, I'm actually in the most popular band that I'm in now, I don't think I've mentioned it on EMG, it's one called Invoke the Wake, I'm a bassist in that band. Really? Yeah, we've played quite a bit, 
you know. And then we got a new member. Uh, his name is Abraham Casaneda. He's the best guitarist in our whole city. And what's cool is that his brother is the best drummer in the city. So, you know, that family right there, they have some really good talent. I actually added them to the group yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah, so hopefully they'll post, you know. But yeah, they are very good musicians. He, uh, Abraham was actually the, I guess he was like the recording engineer for us, because we have a few songs and we recorded with him. But now that he's a member, you know, we can just go jam, record stuff. It's kind of funny, though, because he's like, he's the oldest member. He's like 20-something, I forget, but he's like the second shortest one, too. <laughs> you guys give him shit? Uh, no, nah, because he, you know, we really don't insult him, like, really at all, because it's like, we res- we respect him, that, like, that's how talented he is, that, like, we we can't even really make fun of him. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And then 2011, then that year I made Anticatamentum. You know, I, I just made that, you know, a solo project so I could finally record an album. And I actually used Audacity for that, to record. Really? Yeah. But I did with the drum tracks and the synth, synth tracks, all that, I used um, Sibelius. That's the program that I primarily use for writing, especially for the current project. But yeah, you know, I used all the drum sounds. And then I had no idea what mixing or mastering really was. So it was like, make it not sound horrible. You know, it still sounds horrible. Try to make it sound less horrible. And so if, if you hear the first album, it's just an assault on the ears. And then I'd say 2012, that's when I actually started getting you know, good with recording. That's when I got Reaper. You know, I started learning how to mix and master a little bit. You know, I mean, I'm still not really good, but it's not that level anymore, at least. Like the second album, you know, for Auntie, the Argumentum at Hominum. I think that one was pretty good sounding, I suppose. And then it was, I think it was May, like late May of last year. So almost a year ago. I made my ambient project, Tell Me Also Nozaki. That's, it's interesting that that's like kind of one of the last projects you uh, put together, because I think that's the first thing I know you for. Yeah, like, because that was my first venture into true electronic music. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what about uh, Drake, <laughs> Drake on Chowan? Oh, yeah, um, for uh, maybe, oh, yeah, because, um, actually, let me tell you the story of how I got to know Drazen. It's pretty interesting. And it's like all by chance that all this happened and it all goes back to an ad on Facebook for a whole different band. Like I was just going through Facebook and I saw an ad. It says it was a band called Othel Runa. I think that's how you say it. It was a, and it says, you know, Anglo-Saxon metal. And I was like, Hmm, we're learning about that in English right now. I think I'll check it out. So I checked it out and, um, I don't think he had any songs at the moment at that time. And then later on, he did a cover of a Hoyland song called Pagan Land. And then I heard that, and I was like, whoa, this sounds pretty cool. This is a legit band. You know, I better check them out. And then later on, he released an EP called, I'm, I know I'm not going to say it right, but I think it was Pon Modranichte. It means the Mother's Night in Old English. And I was, I'm was i actually one of the few people who owns a copy of that, like a physical copy. Because he said, you know, who wants a free physical copy of it? From there, he announced that he was doing a Burzum compilation of uh, cover songs. And I was like, ooh, I got to get in on that. And I did the cover of My Journey to the Stars. The person who was running it was Mark Hoyland. And he's a person who's helped me out so much with this project. And then also on there, I met um, uh, Mike as well. Mike O'Brien from Melancholia. Afterwards, uh, like so I, I started listening to Hoyland more. 
and you know that was one of my basically he was the the one who really got me into doing this and then I think he posted a link to a song that he did or something and then I, uh, it ended up basically it was like a path of links to this one blog and it says submit your song for, it was called dark occult Com- it was a dark occult compilation and I was like all right so I sent in the song of screams this was like when was this this was like March I think of last year so I sent in that song and then was, and then I, I went to the blog and I noticed it was gone and I was like what the hell did I just do I was like, ooh, I get the feeling this isn't good. But then a few days later, I got an email saying uh, the Dark Nicole compilation has been released. And I guess the blog got deleted or something for copyright reasons, but then it got restarted again. And then they posted the the compilation. And then, you know, I listened to the other bands, and most of them were like ambient noise, all that. And I was like, okay, this is some really weird stuff. But then there was a couple other songs that I actually really enjoyed. There's this one song by a project called Fluid. And then the other one was a song, um, was it The Lingering Sentiment by Ezra Yates. And I was like, whoa, this sounds awesome. So I checked out Ezra Yates and you know, I added Grayson. I think it was like a month after I added him that I actually really started talking to him. I was like, okay, so I added you, you know, you're kind of there, you know, I'm kind of here. So how about Hello. And so, you know, we started, ch- we, we chatted up and, you know, we got off, we, we hit it off really well. Like we were into a lot of the same music and all that. And I think he was also one of the ones who influenced me into doing my own project as well. You know, after, you know, you know, we were friends and all that. And then I think he introduced me to EMG as well. A few months later, I was like, you know, I like to collaborate with him, you know, like some kind of, you know, ambient metal project. So then I actually asked him about that. And then he said, dude, I was going to ask you the same thing. So we're like, all right then, and then, and then I think the name we were trying to come up with a name, and then I was reading about Anglo-Saxon myths, and I read about one about that the entrance to hell is the mouth of a dragon, the Drakan Cholan, <laughs> and that's how that began. Throat dragon, <laughs> the throat dragon. That's 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 EMG radio like infamy now, man. I believe I I recall when um, Drazen got that song on that dark occult compilation and i didn't realize you weren't in the group at that point yeah i think i got added like july or something oh so the projects you're currently involved in are um that, that dracon <laughs> cholon am i saying that right man um even i'm not really entirely sure but i think i'm pretty sure it's just dracon cholon dracon cholon okay yeah okay and then anticantamentum is that currently active Oh, very active. We're actually recording our third album because um, it was a solo project, but then I decided to pretty much end Astral Pit and then, you know, the members who were in there, bring them to Antigatamentum and make it a full band. You know? So we're working on the third album and some of the songs on there actually were from like 09 that I wrote on Guitar Pro. So they're finally being released. How about Tommy, Tommy Osanazaki? Are you doing any work on there or are you busy with the other projects? I'm doing things with all of them really at once. Like in Book the Wake, we're working on a single right now. You know, Auntie, we're working on the album. And then tell me all I'm working on like three things at once. You're a busy dude, man. Like you, you put out a pretty good amount of material. I'm always, uh, I didn't even know about Evoke the Wake, so. Well, that's actually been kind of dormant for 2012. It was pretty much dormant. Like there was only like maybe two shows that year that we did. Let's tell me all I'm doing three things at once right now. And a film. Oh, yeah. Actually, my friend here, uh, his name is Harrison. 
uh, him and uh, I guess some of his friends. Uh, well, I guess no, it's it's in the process of being uh, written out and stuff. But really, once to get shot, I'm looking for this guy to be the uh, soundtrack composer. Nice. Yeah. Like, because I guess it's like about insomnia and all that. So it's like a guy kind of. What was it about that again? It's based off of movies like Breathless, um, the, the 1960 French film Breathless, and uh, Martin Scorsese's. Uh, 1976 classic uh, Taxi Driver. Same themes as, as that, you know, uh, one loner guy uh, goes out in the middle of the city at night, uh, gets driven to insanity by, you know, all the violence and all that awesome eccentric shit out there, you know. And he becomes a vigilante, yeah. Wait, what? He becomes a vigilante, kills a shit ton of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Dude, I want to see it. Tell him I want to yeah. see it. Yeah, he says he wants to do it. That's awesome, man. You know, once I get worked out and stuff. Make it happen. Um, yeah, dude, judging by your, like, Tommy Osanazaki work and all that, like, I think you'd make a killer film uh, composer. Some of the songs that were written f- that I ended up making for that were actually supposed to be, like, like they were supposed to be, um, like, in my mind, like, in, in the filmmaking process that is my mind, you know, they were the theme songs, like, the creation, the very first song, was actually supposed to be the intro to an anime that I thought of, but I never decided. I never went far with that, since I don't really draw that much. That's how a lot of my solo stuff goes, is, like, either the song comes first or the idea comes first, but pretty much everything I do ends up getting tied to, like, some some potential film project I could do, like, so... Okay, the next question is, and you've got a couple, you've got, you've got several bands um, and projects, and you've kind of talked about a couple of them but how did you come up with your projects uh titles you talked about um the throat dragon yeah uh where does anticandamentum come from that is latin for overture like and i remember i was trying to look for a name for that like desperately and i was like i can't think of a goddamn name and then finally i was like google translate latin you know something like something symphonic like Overture, and the first thing I came up was in all capitals, ante cantamento, and I was like, "That's that sounds so metal." It does, man, and it means overture. That's awesome. Yeah, and then you know the first song on the the first album was a big overture. Although I think I could have written it so much better, but I mean, well, the past is the past. And then um, invoke the wake. Um, we're actually consider. I think we're considering changing the name. Like, I'm, I'm not really entirely sure what the name actually means. Like, we were also kind of the same thing, just kind of throwing out names out there, you know. And then, um, Tamiel Sonozaki, that one has kind of a complicated thing. I wanted to name it just Tamiel, because I was inspired by a song by the band Black Funeral. Because there was a, an album that he did that was based on all the, like, the, the dark side of the Kabbalah, the, what are they called, the Cliffoth. I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't pronounce that right. But, like, you know, there's things like Gagiel and Taumiel. And that's, so that's where one of the Antigatonsum songs is about. But this one, Taumiel, it means the twins of God in Hebrew. So Nozaki is, yeah, that's, if if anyone out there watches anime, they'll, I'm sure they'll get the reference. But it's the last name of a character from a show called Higurashi. And um, what's cool is that Sonozaki, they were, uh, the characters, they were actually twin sisters. And, you know, like, they were very important. So I guess the name itself has to do something to do with, like, twins, you know, or, I guess, duality, the nature of that. Nice. 
All right, and um, we've got some songs to play for us today. What is the first track? Uh, it's the third song from the first album. It's called Troy See, some of these questions, since you have so many projects, might be kind of difficult, but um, how would you describe your music to someone who has never heard it before? Um, Anti-Continental, I would just say, because the sound for that one really has changed quite a bit, but I'd say, you know, it's like a symphony of metal. Well, not really. Well, that's maybe more how it was before. The music is starting to get a little less symphonic as time passes. And now it's more atmospheric. And I guess it's like, atmospheric dream metal. Like, that's what's... I mean, because that's what's popular now. Bands like Alcest, uh, Fen, all those. So it's like, some people, you know, they don't like it because it's... I guess they think it sounds soft, but I really do like it because it sounds very... You know, it's like mind-blowing music. And then Invoke the Wake. Even the... uh, Even we have trouble saying what the genre would be because it's like, you know, 
like genre wise, we're not really entirely sure what it is. It's just straight metal. I guess that's what we would describe it. We're just straight metal. And then tell me also Nozaki. I came up with a poetic version for it, but it was like the music of tell me also Nozaki. It's like being in a nightmare and then waking up and feeling good because it was just a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that, man. But in reality, it's just synths and stuff. <laughs> Oh, you took all the, like, magic and mysticism out of it. <laughs> In uh, reality, it's just some synths. And then me blowing into a microphone, just like this, just like... And then looping it um, forwards and backwards so it's continuous, and then repeating it however many times the, how long the song is, and then putting compression and reverb on it. That's really? actually what I did for many of the songs. That's interesting, man. I wouldn't have guessed that. So do you want to talk about some of the people you work with in your in your groups and collaborate with? Um, in um, I'll start with Anti-Continental. The members, there's five of us in that band. There's the first one who I added, he's, um, he's a drummer named Ricardo. He's a really good drummer. And especially since he started going to, to college, you know, he started learning theory and everything. He's become a beast of a drummer, beast of a musician, really. He's also in choir. And then the guitarist, his name is Joseph. And, um, like, I guess, um, like, I just remember it was, uh, he joined band and he's even kind of, you know, alone. And I guess, you know, I was one of his first friends in band. He's, um, he's kind of, and I guess you could say he's kind of an odd guy. I think he has Asperger's syndrome. So <laughs> sometimes he's kind of, so he's, you know, sometimes he acts a bit odd, but he's a, you know, he's a very good man. He's a very good guitarist. And then the bassist we added, his name is Jacob, and um, he, oh, he's left-handed. That's one of the first things that's kind of, you know, so, like, he's like, I play bass, but I can't play his bass because it's all, like, it's not natural, man. But uh, he's, a, he's a cool guy, you know? Like, he, I guess, sometimes he thinks slowly of himself, but he is a good musician. And then the keyboardist, um, he's actually a friend of pretty much everyone in, you know, he was a friend of pretty much everyone in that band and in Invoke the Wake, so, you know, I guess he's kind of like a bridge between the two bands, but um, his name is Kyle. He's a he's also he's been a keyboardist. He's been a you know piano. I think he played organ in church. He said, but yeah, he's a really talented guy. So pretty much we have a lot of talented musicians. The guitarist, uh, he's the main songwriter. His name is Theodore, but we call him Tweet. He's you know he's the main uh, songwriter. He's been playing guitar way less time than I have, but he's already better than I am. You know, because I've been playing since, like, 2004, but he's been playing since, like, 2009, I think. And he's already gotten really good. You know, he's he's written some really good songs. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm being, dis- I'm being distracted. I'm at the fifth floor of the library. Yeah. And there's a huge, tall palm tree, and there's a squirrel at the very top climbing it. <laughs> so, I'm like, wow. That is a brave-ass squirrel. It's so high. <laughs> oh, if he, if he falls, he's fucked. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right, man. It's all right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then in Book the Wake, we have Theodore and the bassist, and then the drummer, his name is Anthony, um, you know, one of a, one of my first high school friends. You know, he's a cool dude, you know. Sometimes he gets a little, you know, like, sometimes he can be kind of, like, he plays around quite a bit, but he's a really cool dude. And then um, the singer, his name is Miguel. So really, he's also once again a talented singer. That's that's a common theme with musicians. You know, they're very talented, and you know, he was in choir and everything. But and especially since the beginning of the band, his vocals, pretty much everyone since the beginning of that band has just 
become really good, and that was noted by the next member we added, Abraham. Abraham has been playing, he's basically been involved in music since I was like four, so like, I think 97, he said, that he played, I think he said he started playing violin back then, but that guy's just, him and his brother are just the most talented musicians in the entire city, you know, so we have massive amounts of respect. The fact that he wanted to join our band, we didn't ask him, he asked us. That just, like, we couldn't even comprehend that he would want to join our little band. You know, I mean, he, he was already in other bands that were doing things already. So the fact that he wanted to join us, you know, I guess that says quite a bit about us. But, you know, yeah. And then, of course, Drek and Shellan, you know, you already know Drazen. You probably know Drazen well, more well than I do, I guess. I don't know. I've, obviously, we've had Drazen on a couple times. But, yeah, Drazen's a good guy, man. I always enjoy talking to him on in the group. It's like, it kind of sucks. It's like, I imagine if we actually knew each other in real life, we'd be best friends. But it's like, he lives, you know, like, two th- I think 2,000 miles away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, am I the only member in EMG from California or from the West Coast? I couldn't say for sure, because I'm not sure where everybody's from. But I'm not aware of anybody else that is. Well, isn't Trent Reznor in the band, apparently? I mean, in the... Oh, group? yeah, he got added to the group way early. But um, he's never, <laughs> he's oh, probably yeah. not even aware that somebody added him in there. Him him and Atticus Ross both, we just like seeing the names in the list. It's like EMG members include Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Oh my God, dude. If that was true, if they were active members, that'd be fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, so, what title would you give yourself in regards to being a musician? I'd say the primary thing I really am is, I guess, composer. Although, I think that role kind of changes depending on which band I'm in. Like, I mean, I write most of the music for Antikantamentum and for Temple. Obviously, for Tell Me All. That's... But um, when it comes to Invoke the Wake, I, only, I don't write that much. But um, I guess there I'm more of a just a musician, just a player of, of instruments, you know. Sure. And then in um, Drakonchelan, I do most of the instruments. But I think Drazen, he you know he's the vocalist, but he writes. I think he's written most of the lyrics, or he wrote Kewinti's. And um, actually, no, I wrote the lyrics for a couple of the songs. But when it comes to lyrics, that's something I don't do very well. That's the hardest part, man, for me. Anyway, like the music is easy. Lyrics are, lyrics are very hard. English is not. I mean, I speak. Yeah, I mean, I speak English, but when it comes to the subject in school, that's not really my favorite. You know, I prefer science or history. You're not so much of a prose guy, huh? <laughs> not really. This question again. You have multiple projects. Um, I guess this would be more geared towards the stuff where you, you write most of the song and stuff. Um, take us on the journey of the typical song creation process. Like, where do you usually start and go from there? For, um, for Anti-Captain the way that I would start a song, I guess I would just be playing guitar and just trying to do, I guess, what I used to do a lot was stream of consciousness stuff to see if I can get some good riffs out of it somehow. And then, you know, I just, and then I start from there with uh, the riffs. That's the main thing. Like, I usually don't start with a drum track. Like, I think that's what most of the musicians here would do. You know, they start with a beat and all that. But I guess I just start with the main guitar lines. I don't think I've ever started with lyrics either, because, you know, lyrics are usually the last thing that I do. And then for 
In Rope the Wake, it's the same thing, but it's just, it's usually a Tweak who starts it with that. And then, you know, I might add a few ideas. There's a song we do called Demonopathy. Like, in the middle, there's like a, it sounds like clean guitar, but it's actually me playing bass, the really high notes. Like this one little arpeggio kind of thing. Nice. And then, um, but I like, I guess when it comes to that, I'm more of a, I add a little bit of touches to songs. Like in the song, um, there's, oh, the, probably the most popular song that we have is called The New Suffering. The intro, what he does is that he plays a riff and then he's, um, descending. What I do, however, what I did, like, kind of just to mess around, like messing around, but it ended up sounding good was I ascended the scale. So I guess that's kind of, I guess what I do there is I'm more just, you know, little aesthetic things. When it comes to Tamiya Sonozaki, that, because I've actually been, ever since I got Sibelius, that was about 2010 that I got that program. I've been composing music like that since then. So I have a lot, I have a huge folder of compositions. And some of the songs that are on the albums, they were actually written back then. But I just, you know, I brought out the, the, the ambience from it. I brought out the, the atmosphere or added it to it, you know. Primarily for Tamiya, you know, I use Sibelius, and that's probably a program not many people, like, you know, like, what do you usually, like, when you actually make a song, what do you usually do? Do you just go straight into the, the, uh, the DAW DAW, however you say it? Uh, me, yes, I do. <clears throat> I use it as, like, the, uh, I use it for the whole process, from writing to, you know, then obviously mixing. Sibelius, um... That's po- yeah, that's pretty popular with like traditional type uh, style composers. I've I've heard that mentioned a lot when it comes to uh, composers and well, first off, people that know a bit more about actual music theory than I do, but people that typically write for like orchestral pieces and stuff. Yeah, that's usually where I've heard that referenced. Yeah, that's the program that I use for this since it's more you know I guess neoclassical, and then when it comes to music theory, um. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm nowhere near the best at it, obviously, but I guess I have a good sense of it. Like, I know, you know, interval scales, things like that. One wouldn't, wouldn't really hear a wrong note in that, unless if I intentionally make it a wrong note. Uh-huh. And then another thing that I have, I guess, it's something musicians, it's like they always talk about it. Some people really want it, and then the people who have it, many times they hate it. I kind of love it, kind of hate it sometimes, but uh, I have perfect pitch. So I can tell what note uh, sound is. And speaking of which, there's something that I mentioned a while ago on the page about the first album. If you know what I did musically on that, with like, there's a thing, okay, there's 12 songs on that album. If you notice the, uh, a certain pattern that I did with all the songs, you will receive a free copy of that album and every album that I've made and will make for free. That's pretty sweet. I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess it's something I I have not and probably will not notice. So I guess it's something that some people probably won't notice, but there there should be a clue with the number of songs, let's just say. Yeah, so if any if there's any listeners who think they've, you know, they want to you know, if they haven't listened to it, you know, listen to it and see if they notice the pattern with all the songs, they will receive the album for free. Have you had anybody take a guess yet? Oh, I think Drazen asked something like I forgot what it was that he said, but it wasn't the right answer. But yeah, no one's, no one's, I guess, really tried to say to me. Hidden, hidden musical messages, man. <laughs> of the entire music process, uh, from like writing and recording to releasing, performing, what is your favorite part? That's 
pretty hard to say, honestly. Like, I think, I then think it kind of varies between the projects. Like for Antikantuntun, for me, I, we've only performed once, but I enjoyed it, even though it wasn't that great of a show. Like, I really enjoyed that. And the same thing with Ngok the Wake. You know, I really like performing, but you know. Because I think with Unlock the Wake, because we try to go, you know, because he has Pro Tools, he has all this, you know, high-end stuff. It, it seemed kind of boring almost, because it's like, we try to be as perfect as possible, where with me, it's like, I'm, you know, you'll notice mistakes in recording and all that. And I mean, I guess it's not a good thing, but it's like, I try to make it, I try to not make it hard on, on me, you know? Yeah. Well, for some of I think for me, it would be the writing. Like, I really like, you know, making... It's like when I hear the song coming together, it just sounds awesome. And also, I kind of like, even though I'm not really good at it, you know, the mixing. Like, I like making it, I'm trying to, you know, I try, like, especially since I'm learning, you know, if I can make it sound good, you know, that's always a good thing. And then also, you know, releasing as well. It's like, I feel like I've made a major accomplishment. Like, you know, I worked on this for a long time. Finally, you know, the fruits of my labor have been, have been harvested. All right. And what is your least favorite part? The least favorite part would have to be, I guess it would have to be reading reviews about it. Like, I haven't had that many reviews, but it's because even, and actually the reviews I've gotten for, uh, like, for Tommy Osonazaki, they've pretty much all been positive. The thing is, though, is that I'm really scared of negative criticism. That's something that's, it's like, sometimes I, even if, even if, you know, if someone were to say, I reviewed your album, like, I'd be very, very hesitant to read it. Like, I'd like to read it if it was a good review, but, you know, if it's a bad review, that's, that's going to destroy me, honestly. Don't, don't let it destroy you. <laughs> don't let it, man. Because that shit, no matter how good the music you make is, and the music you make is good, somebody out there is going to pick it apart someday. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of the nature of, criticism for one and then the internet (laughs) criticism like that's all the internet is for the most part so i'd say be prepared and don't let it affect you too bad when it does happen yeah but what what also really sucks is that like i saw on some websites for um argumentum at hominum and to be honest that album i think i could have made it so much better and i saw like you know it had star ratings and I guess a couple people gave it one star, so I was like, "Well then." And it's like, and it's also like, I'd like to know what about it was bad, you know? Yeah, beyond just okay, so they didn't like it. All right, musically, what do you think? Um, what do you feel are your strengths? I'd say when it comes to, I guess, melody and somewhat harmony. Like when it comes to making a an actual melody, like you know, sometimes they just come to me like. For example, I think I posted it on the page the other day. Um, I, I was going through my old stuff and I found this uh, piece of sheet music that I had. And it was the main line from one of the songs from the latest album. And I remember the story about it was, um, okay, so the teacher that we had for music uh, in high school, this was senior year, you know, was towards the end of the year. Uh, he would try to teach us music theory, but it was always the basic stuff, you know, things that I've known for years now. So it's like, you know, copy down the rhythm, tell me what it is, you know. So I just wrote it down, and I was like, okay, I'm done. Everyone else, you know. Everyone else is still trying to, how do you draw a note? And then, and then afterwards, um, you know, it was after the lesson. He just let, let us kind of, you know, chill for the rest of class, you know, didn't bother us or anything. So I was, you know, I was talking with my friend, and I had my, I had a, I had my viola, and then he had his cello. So, you know. 
where we were talking, but then right before the class ended, all of a sudden I just got this idea for a melody out of nowhere. And I was like, oh crap, I have to write that down. So right underneath the what we wrote for theory for that lesson, I started writing down the melody. And then I asked him, you know, he still had his cello, we were about to leave, but I was like, do you think you could play this bass line while I play this melody line, just to see how it sounds? And, you know, we played it, and I was like, wow, I think I have something good here. And then for the next few days, I started writing it on um, on Sibelius, and I wrote a full composition in, like, two days. And then I asked my teacher if we could, if there was a chance that we could actually play it, because, you know, when it comes to com- composing, you know, like... Like symphonies, you know, that's something you really don't, I guess, some, they say you don't really, that's not something that's mastered easily, but, you know, so, of course, you know, I guess I have a sense for it, but I don't really, even, you know, I'm not, I'm really not that good at it, but I figure, you know, it wouldn't be like, you know, flutes have to play, you know, way too high or clarinets have to play way too low, like, I guess I have an all right sense for that, but, um, the reason why we didn't was because it was too late for us to learn it. But I think if I had written it earlier, we probably could have played it. Yeah, so I guess when it comes to melody, because sometimes they just come to me like nothing. Not all the time, but sometimes. And you have a second track for us today. What is that? Yeah, this next song is called Consanguinity, even though it's actually two songs. But um, they actually have like alternate stories to it, or at least uh, the song has like two different uh, sides to it. And one side of it is an experience that I had back in January of last year. I was asleep, and then halfway through sleeping, I woke up. But the thing is that I woke up while I was having a dream. So it felt as if like I was still in that dream, even though I knew I was awake. So it was basically, I guess, you know, a waking nightmare. And... What woke me up was, I guess, you know, I was having like a panic attack at the time. And so part one of the song is basically like the feeling of being in a, in some kind of nightmare, some kind of like an empty world of nothingness. And then the second part is like, like when that chord, the string chord goes up, that's like you're waking up. And part two is basically like the feeling that it was just a dream. And then, you know, nothing actually, nothing bad happened. But the alternate story to the song, uh, it's also based on this uh, anime series called Clannad. And essentially it's about this guy who, you know, he meets all these women, but then uh, he falls in love with this one woman at the end of the series. And then the second season is basically like, you know, the family life. And then, spoiler alert, um, the wife dies. But specifically, this song is also, you know, part one is also about, um, the, you know, very, like, towards the very end, their daughter also dies. But then, part two of, uh, Consanguinity is basically like, it's what happens at the very end is that they didn't actually die. It was basically like a dream, I guess you could say. So ultimately, the whole song, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, it seems like something horrible happened, but in reality, you know, it was just a dream. So, so you know, um, yeah, so here's the song.
What areas do you feel less confident in? Rhythm, I would say. Like, I don't have a very good sense of rhythm, usually. So it's like I have to rely completely on, you know, computer sounds. Like, maybe I can, you know, say if I had a drum or something, I'd probably make it an all right rhythm. But after a while, you know, I'll start to get out of rhythm and all that. Also, something that I'm not that great at is, um, like, say, I'll see people that, you know, they write songs, even if they're also beginners. Their pieces seem a lot more creative than mine. Like, like sometimes I don't really add that great, and I'm like, I'm not that really great with adding, you know, little details to the pieces. Like, I'll just, like, really, for me, sometimes if you listen to the songs, and I think for the genre that I'm working in, it works well. It's just, you know, like, a bass and treble, and it's just, you know, a rhythm or a rhythm and a melody, but there's not really much else in some of the songs. Like, some songs do, like, I think Circular Logic, that one's one, but that's, you know, just pattern-based. So, yeah, so I guess my weaknesses are rhythm and, like, trying to come up with rhythm sometimes. Like, I'm not that good with drums. And then, um, yeah, and then deep, like, intricate details, I suppose. Sure. Or being really creative with music. Filling out the little touches and stuff. Yeah. Like, I guess it's like, with my songs, I could always add a little more. I guess that's what it is. Uh, you talked a bit about the software you use. Um, you mentioned, uh, I don't, I never know if I'm pronouncing it right. So, uh, Sibelius? Yeah. Well, I guess I usually, yes, yeah, I think it's Sibelius. Like you have the A. Sibelius. Yeah. Okay. And Reaper you mentioned? Yeah. I use Reaper for recording and then I use, um, Cubase for, uh, mixing and mastering. Oh, nice. Uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of hardware do you use? I have almost nothing in hardware. The only thing I actually have is a cable. It's a USB to guitar cable. That's what I use for um, for my for you know, I think it's Mentum Draka and all that. And then the mic that I use is the one I'm using now. It's a Logitech uh, computer microphone, USB. And um, it actually got broken right here at the end, so I made a little clay stand to stand it up. I like when people can be resourceful and work with what they got and you get pretty good sound out of out of the stuff you've got i guess i have to work a little harder to try to make it sound better well actually one of my friends he got me a a motu interface the problem is that it uses firewire and i don't have a firewire port on this computer oh yeah firewire um isn't super common it seems like anymore yeah Luckily, I have one because I use it for my video camera. But um, it's it's like you can't buy a new computer with it. Like I never see it on new computers. So yeah, I think Macs have it on their laptops. Oh really? I think. Nah, I don't use Mac. Yeah. Windows. <laughs> Windows. Windows Seven, not Windows Eight. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I don't remember who told me not to use it. I think it was autonomy. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I didn't know much about it, and I had got... It was free, but it was legal, but I, I had got a good copy of it. And I was thinking about switching over, and they're like, don't do that. So then I actually looked into it, and I was like, yeah, that's not, not a good idea. Yeah, my friend, he has it on his computer. It's it's bad. Even my brother, I, the second one, he was... Um, you know, he's like he's worked with computers for many, many years, and even he was like, "Wow, just screw Windows 8." It seems like, and it's kind of like the the issue with Windows Vista. It seems like 
they can't, I don't know, they can't just leave it alone and they got to try to make it so user friendly that the people who kind of know what they're doing or need to do stuff that's a little more advanced than simply opening the web browser, it screws them over, you know? I guess they say it's meant for people who don't know what they're doing. Exactly. And that doesn't benefit us at all. What's kind of funny, they say, I guess, the odd number releases are the good ones and the even number ones are bad. Like, Windows 7 was good. Windows Vista was bad. Windows XP was good. Windows you know, 2000 was... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of true. So hopefully when the next Windows will be if they follow the pattern. They better, because I don't want to go to Mac. Mac's so expensive and it's just weird. There's always Linux. Apparently that's what the elite computer users use. That's true. I just don't know anything about that. But what sucks, though, is that I don't think there's really any resources for musicians. Like, there's no real music programs for Linux. No, yeah. If I had, like, I imagine if I was running something on Linux, I'd need something to be able to emulate Windows just so I could run the programs I use. And that kind of, that kind of seems backwards, you know? I think because, you know, some of these programs, you know, you, even if, it's like, it would take a, like, like I guess there's a reason why they're made by such big companies is because they're big programs. I mean, I imagine that's why, like, there's a few, I know of a few, you know, like, free open license um, programs, but usually they aren't that good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, certainly, man. It takes a lot of resources and time and the, like, people that are doing it for no profit or, you know, a small group of, of people putting it together, like... It's hard to compete on that level with the big companies. Yeah. What drives you to create music? Hmm. It's kind of a, it's like a big question there. Yeah, it really is. Um, I really don't know how to answer that, to be honest. I guess, I mean, I make a lot of music, but I don't know why. I guess it's just, I have, I feel the need to. I guess it's like I've always liked to make things, even like, you know, I'm not that good at drawing, but I like drawing. So I guess it's like, I guess it's a need to create, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess it's like, I see my music as my children. So I guess it's kind of like the reason why men become fathers, I guess. No, yeah, I totally. So your guitar is like a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh. And a music he produces, like him just jacking off on the guitar, right? That's right. You gotta spread your I seed, man. Uh, this kid. The, the computer's a wife, you know. <laughs> oh god. Which, when you think about it like that, it makes sense if you gotta plug that USB jack right into it. Yeah. And then weird. it's like the mixing is like you know the pregnancy. <laughs> Wait, who's the doctor? That's it. You know, what, what, what would the doctor be? Bandcamp, I guess. That's one who releases it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm glad you're here. Harry Singh actually makes some pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's like, as I, I'm a father of music. <laughs> so I guess it's my bandcamp. Oh, I was just going to say that kind of actually does put tie into something that I commonly think of is like, I don't have this huge need to like reproduce as in ter- as in like have children. And most people use that to like continue their legacy or put their name out there or whatever. But that is kind of the way I look at music and different artistic projects. That's my like way of contributing something to the world beyond just me being here, you know? 
yeah, definitely. Like, I guess, you know, I don't know what else, what much else I can really do. You know, like I'm going, you know, majoring in science, you know, but I don't think I'm going to become a big scientist. But I mean, something I do well, at least I think is, you know, make music. So I figure if people remember remember me for something, it would be that. There's meaning behind all that. I guess there's meaning behind everything we do, even if we don't know it. What or who do you feel has the most influence on your music? I would say primarily it's the music that I listen to already, you know. And that's one thing also that I've noticed about some of my songs is that there's like sometimes there's unintentional plagiarism. Like I don't realize that I've accidentally plagiarized a song. Sometimes even it's a song I've never heard. Like I think I mentioned it on the last radio show. It was um, one of the songs that I did for the Sanguine EP. There was a line in it. I wrote it before I heard of that band, but I guess it sounds kind of similar to a song by Catatonia called End Time. So when I was making that song, I had to, I pitched it down, so I guess there's no, not that much of a similarity to it. The music I listen to that really, I guess, influences me. Okay, and are you inspired by non-music sources? Very much so. Uh, you know, like, I guess not as much as many other bands are, but I'm inspired by nature, like... A good example from the latest EP, the song Scale. I visited, um, I, vi- I went to go visit my brother in, he lives in Oregon, so we drove all the way up north. And when you drive up north, or even down, you know, there's a big central valley in California that's just, for a good amount of hours, you're just in pretty much open valley. I kind of imagine that's what Nebraska's like, it's just an open valley. Just dirt, right? Well, well not dirt, well, it's actually mostly farms, but... Yeah, but it's like when you get to, um, once you start getting past Sacramento, then that's when you start getting into mountains. And then when you get, you know, towards the border of Oregon, then you see the big one, Mount Shasta. When I saw Mount Shasta, I was like, wow, that is one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen. So that's what that song is basically about, you know. Nice. One non-musical inspiration as well. And I guess I have a story, um, there's two sides to... It's the story of one song, and it has two stories to it. But one of the things that inspired the song was actually like a dream or a vision that I sometimes get. And that is that I imagine... Oh yeah, I guess it's kind of dark, I guess, but I imagine that the day that I die, it'll be like a sunset. Like, it'll just be the faint orange glow of the sun shining down on me, and then... That's what it, and, and I'm just like in my room, you know, looking up, and then finally it's just gone. But this, the song that, that it was was um, Scarlet Ethereal. So it's kind of like influenced, like, you know, this is the final moment. You know, the, you know, the sky is a beautiful glow of orange. And, you know, it's like, I guess it's like, are you willing to finally, you know, accept your final fate? So that's what it's kind of about. It's like, there's almost like, like the, I guess there's a happiness to it, which is like, you know, the accepting of that this is, you know, what you were, I guess, essentially born to do, you know, to die. And of course, you know, there's the sad parts of it. That's basically the, the first half of the song. The second half of the song, it goes into the, it basically goes into another genre. And the story behind that is kind of sad. It happened just a few months ago, you know. But it happened as I was writing the song. 
I always knew I was going to do, you know, like a shoegaze metal kind of thing to it, but I wasn't really sure what to do. Like on my SoundCloud, I still have the original idea and that was just, you know, just to do the main line again, but you know, all played with guitar. But what happened was, okay, it was, yeah, I still remember it was December 1st of last year. I went to go hang out with some friends. It was kind of not that late. It was like eight o'clock. I got home, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm going to work on some music. So I was trying to come up with a line, something different. And then, you know, I was home alone, though, because my parents, they went to uh, my uncle's birthday. He was like, oh, I forgot how old he was. He was in his 70s. And then I got a few calls from my uncle. And they were like, is my uncle all right? And I was like, um, I'm not sure. And then from what I found out, apparently my uncle, uh, David, he had a heart attack at his birthday party. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, what happened? So I tried calling my dad, and the first time I called, you know, he just said, okay, he's in the hospital right now. That's all you need to know. And then a little while later, you know, I started getting really concerned, so I called again, and it turns out that he died. And as soon as I found out, you know, I just, I was just, it felt like I was devoid of emotion. You know, I hung up the phone, I went back to my room. Now, what happened was, as soon as I sat down on my bed, I picked up my guitar. No prior thoughts, nothing. I just started playing the guitar. The open, there was that line to Scarlet Ethereal that came up. So basically, I guess that music line is me expressing these emotions after hearing that my uncle has died. You know. Mm-hmm. So I like literally like I had no plan. It's like that. I guess it's like. I'm not the kind of person who really shows emotions, you know? It's usually through music. That's one way that I show emotions. So I was like, I don't even know what to feel physically, so I'll let my guitar do that for me. And then even the recording, like uh, like I posted it, and then Risto said, you know, the guitar seems a little, it seems a little out of rhythm. That's because I literally recorded it, like, right after. Because, so when you hear the kind of stumbling from it, that's, you know, all the sadness, you know, from that. So then, you know, so I basically, I got that, you know, little progression. So then I started to build on that. And then, you know, I let all the power come out, you know, for the end of that song. And I think that's the most powerful song I've written.
Yeah, I mean, like, I remember uh, when I went to go visit my family, you know, like, they were there. Like, uh, they were... But, um, you know, like, my family, they were there. And I saw them at the... Because, like, what we do in... I don't know if... I guess this is, like, a Catholic thing or Mexican thing, but... <coughs> for nine days after a person dies, we, we go to pray a rosary. So, like, I guess, you know, it helps them get into heaven. But when I, you know, the first time I went to go see everyone there, they were just in shock. They were just like, because it was not at all expected. It was like, like literally he was like, he was happy when he died, you know. He was happy, he was laughing, he was with his family, he was where he wanted to be. I suppose, I guess, you know, that's, when it comes to dying, I guess that's, I guess that's a good way, you know. I don't think he, like literally, it just, like he was, you know, he was laughing, he was with his family, everything. And then all of a sudden just, you know, he... You know, it just happened. You know, like, there was no struggle. Like, literally, I think literally he just, I don't think he knew he was having a heart attack, so it just went. But, you know, for the family there, I mean, like, my, actually, one the guitarist of the Wake, he's very good friends with my cousin who was there. And so, you know, he, they, you know, they live in the area where that happened, so he actually went there, and then my, and so, like, my, you know, Tweaky asked him, you know, why, like, what's wrong, man? And then he, he told him about what happened, and I was like, yeah. I mean, no one expected that to happen, so it's like, you know, it's like, it's like it, I think there's a literary term for it, but it's like when things go from really, really happy to all of a sudden just horrible, horrible sadness. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's sad, and for everybody there, it's, like you said, you know, going from happy, having a good time, to just getting slammed into this terrible, like, this terrible moment. But from his perspective, like... He was where he wanted to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. He loved his family, you know? Hey there, listeners. This is Randy cutting in. Um, We've decided to split the interview with Daniel into two separate parts. Um, This will be the first part, so believe it or not, we're going to go ahead and end it on that somber note. And before I jump off of here, I just real quick want to once again thank Daniel for taking the time to do the interview with us. And since he hadn't yet got a chance to pimp his websites in this part of the interview, I'll go ahead and do that. If you want to listen to more uh, of Daniel's music, which I highly suggest you do, we have a uh, barrage of websites for you. Uh, Most of the music played today was his solo project, Tommy Alsanazaki, and you can get his the music of Tommy Alsanazaki at TommyAlsanazaki.bandcamp.com. You spell that T H A U M I E L S O. N O Z A K I Tommy Elsanasaki.bandcamp.com. You can also check out Anticantamentum, a little more hard edge in general there. It's A N T E C A N T A M E T U M dot bandcamp.com. Um also check out his other band that he plays live shows, Invoke the Wake. Uh you can find their Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Invoke the Wake, that's I-N-V-O-K-E, Invoke the Wake, (laughs) W-A-K-E. Holy shit, man, this is a mouthful. And then finally, we have Dracon Cholon, which you can find at facebook.com slash D-R-A-C-A-N-C-E-O-L-A-N. There might also be a Bandcamp page, I'm not sure, but these are just the pages I pulled up real quick. Uh, Once again, thank you, Daniel, and thank you, listeners, for checking us out. Be sure to... uh, Keep an ear open for part two of the interview with Daniel. Thank you for listening to EMG Radio.